Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. The Book of Revelation, Session 25, Categories of Angels. And uh, what we're going to look at tonight uh, might be... Yeah, that's much better. Thank you, guys. Uh, What we're going to look at tonight uh, really is just the... The thought process that I don't know if you've given a lot of uh, attention to before, that there's not just one kind of angel, but that there's actually categories of angels. And that those angelic categories, uh, those different groupings, they do different stuff and serve in different ways and even look different. And this is a a subject that uh, is relevant to the whole Bible, but there's probably more in the book of Revelation as far as you're just looking at one book about different types of angels. In fact, I'm, I'm positive. It, this book has got to have the most different types of angels described uh, of any book. And, and so it's a, it's a significant subject in the book of Revelation, and so that's why we're going to spend a session on it. And because we've looked at some of this before, and because we're going to spend a whole session on uh, uh, one type of angel that we're going to look at briefly... And then we're going to spend a whole other session on another type of angel we're going to look at briefly. I'll just kind of tell you that tonight is a bit of a hodgepodge uh, because there is some content we have absolutely not covered that I want us to get, but it all kind of relates to some content that we have covered and that we will cover. So there's your little disclaimer if some of this seems repetitious. So various types of, the book of, Revela- of, uh, of angels in the book of Revelation. So what we want to think about is, uh, think about, the way that God designed humanity and that even mankind filling the earth, we've got different skin tones and, and different accents and different uh, uh, food, foods that are, uh, you know, kind of um, resident in each part of the earth and in each culture. There's differences in culture. And so while there's just one planet, there's a wide variance of expression of humanity. Well, if you think about it from that standpoint, it kind of makes sense that if angels came first, and they did, that God would have variants there as well, and that it wouldn't just be one cut-and-dry angel, you know, that's like a stamp that that turns into a 3D reality. God stamps it, and then there's an angel. There's an angel. They all look the same, and they're all different. Not just uh, different angel to angel, but even there are these different categories that look and flow, and so much about them is so different. And the reason that I want us really, uh, the, the reason that I think it's helpful, not just uh, head knowledge, reason I think it's helpful for us to do this particular study is as you're reading through the book of Revelation, for you to start contextualizing each one of these angels in the way that they're described instead of thinking, oh, that's another angel. Oh, that's another angel. That's another. But you to be looking at the, the concrete details of the text that are describing the way that that angel looks and interacts is different than the way this other angel does. So we're just going to look at the different angel categories, okay? That's kind of what we're going to do. And then I'll throw in a bonus at the end just because I can. So uh, the first, the seven archangels. Okay, you guys have probably heard that term, archangel. Um, That that just means chief. That, That term arch just means chief. So the chief angels. The seven chief angels. And uh, we find their... uh, their um, 
their sevenness. We find the fact that there's seven of them uh, in the book of Revelation, but we hear mentioned uh, of these archangels elsewhere in the scripture. We're going to spend a whole session talking about these archangels. So I'm just introducing the fact that there are seven that are called chief. They're the chief angels um, that are, or, or, and that's a term that we've come up with to define or describe these seven. But I think it's an apt term because these seven have a specific role that seems uh, superior uh, than all the others. These seven have a role in heaven, and as God's uh, um, agents, these seven hold a very unique place in the hierarchy of the angelic order in heaven. So it's noteworthy to be aware that there are these seven, and they're different from all the other guys and gals or however all that works up there uh, related to angels. So there are the seven archangels. And I gave you there a verse that describes uh, these in one simple verse, uh, Revelation 8, 2. I saw the seven angels. I saw the seven who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. These are called the seven angels. Okay? Next category, and these are completely different, is the four living creatures. We've talked a little bit about them because we spent time looking at the throne room, and the, the, the four living creatures are so uh, center stage in that uh, symphony. But I just want us to recognize that now we're talking about a different order of angel that's different than the seven arch uh, archangels we just looked at. And these four living creatures, they, I mean, the fact that the Bible calls them living creatures, that that wasn't a term we came up with, though I think we'd have come up with that one pretty quick by looking at them and seeing the way that they just appear. I mean, if you have eyes all over you, you're a different thing than anything I've ever related to. These have eyes all over them. They've got six wings. They're, there's just a lot about these archangel, or about these four living creatures that is very unique. So this is a different order of critter up there, okay? Another type of, of the angelic order. And so we're going to spend a whole session looking at these. And so I'm not going to, you know, spend much time on it right now because we're going to spend a whole session talking about the four living creatures because there is a lot to say, and they're not uh, only in the book of Revelation. They're found elsewhere in the Scripture, uh, though they show up again and again in the book of Revelation. So there's your, your quick little read-through there, Revelation 4, 6 through 8. In the center, around the throne, were four living creatures. And they were covered with eyes in front and in back. And the first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had the face of a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. And each of these four living creatures had six wings. And they were covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Even under its wings. Armpit eyes. Okay? These living creatures are of a very unique sort. And God created them. He, he created these living creatures just the way that they are. And they're different. They serve a different purpose than the seven archangels. And God created them just the way that they are. Well, let's keep going. Messenger angels. Now, there's a little bit of overlap here with the seven archangels, but they're not the only ones that act in this way. There are angels in the book of Revelation and elsewhere that are described as messenger angels. They are angels that God gives a message to that angel and says, Hey, now, angel, go deliver this to some people on the planet Earth. Go as a messenger from God, from his throne, straight from him, go deliver this information to some people uh, down on planet Earth. And so I gave you the, maybe the greatest example is Revelation 1, 1. 
the book of Revelation came from one of these messenger angels. Revelation 1.1, top of page 2. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. So the whole book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus, and it was given to show the church what's coming. And it says, Jesus made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. So the book of Revelation was a message that was given to John by Jesus through an angel, a messenger angel. An angel whose job was, hey, go down and find that guy down there on the earth and give him this message. Now, not all angels are messenger angels. We don't ever see an account of the four living creatures ever leaving their spot to go give a message. They have a different purpose. But there are messenger angels. So I gave you that verse as well as some others for you to look at. But look at part D. Because this one, this would fall in the category of being a messenger angel. But these are set apart in a very specific role with very specific assignments, very specific messages at the end of the age. These three angels, I just called them the three proclamation angels. In Revelation 14, we have these three angels that appear in midair over the earth. So they're not just on the earth talking to a person like when this angel gave John the revelation, you know, Revelation 1.1. These angels are showing up in the sky and they're yelling. They are very loud. It says it repeatedly, loud, proclaiming in a loud voice. And they're up in the air, so if anybody's going to hear them, they had better be loud. Well, the messages that they give aren't for a puddle of people. You know, 10, 100, a million. They're for the earth. So these messenger angels are somehow up in the atmosphere sky something that when they proclaim their message is heard around the world okay these that's a pretty powerful voice you know if you ever meet somebody that can talk loud enough that everybody on the planet can hear them watch out they're probably an angel because that this is intense i mean these guys are given the end time messages that are warnings that are judgments that are invitations to repentance for the planet at the end of the age so let's just read them real quick Okay, this is Revelation 14. We're going to do 6 through 11, but we're going to go one angel at a time. These are the three proclamation angels of Revelation 14. These are literal angels that are literally going to give these messages in the last days. These are preacher angels, okay? Normally when we talk about an angel delivering a message, their message is, you know, God giving information to the church or the God, you know, you know, helping people in this way or that with some purpose that he has. These angels are preachers. All right, let's look what they preach. First, we got angel one here, uh, Revelation 14, 6. Then I saw another angel flying in midair and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim. This angel preaches the gospel to those who live on the earth to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He's in the air preaching to every tribe, language, and people. Okay? And he said in a loud voice, yeah, it's got to be loud, Fear God and give Him glory because the hour of His judgment has come. Worship Him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. So this first angel, this proclamation angel, and we'll see, he's lumped up with... Two others. These three are of a, of a similar sort and assignment, though their specific message is unique. 
He's in the air and he's proclaiming to the whole earth, okay? And what's the message? The message is repent, you need Jesus. Planet Earth, you need Jesus, okay? Second message. A second angel followed. So this is following the first one. So I don't know, is this the three of these guys are going around the planet in the air, in the sky? Maybe. Are they proclaiming it in the air and it just it resonates throughout the earth? Maybe. But one way or the other, we've got these three and they're following one another. A second angel followed and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. This second angel is proclaiming the eventual doom of the harlot Babylon system. We're going to spend a number of sessions in this series talking about the harlot Babylon at the end of the age because I think it's one of the most important subjects for the church in this hour to understand. But this angel is proclaiming, hey, don't, church, don't worry. Eventually, Babylon will fall. The harlot Babylon that's going to rise at the end of the age, she's not ultimately going to prosper or or, uh, ultimately going to succeed in her purposes. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which has made the nations drink the maddening wine of her adultery. So this second angel is now proclaiming, it's really a message to the church. The first was a message to the lost. You need Jesus. Give your life to him. The second is a message to the church. Church, hang in there. I promise you the harlot Babylon will fall the moment of her doom is coming. Okay, And and actually, when this angel says these words, this will have just occurred in real life, timing-wise, in the end-time strategies. So that will have just occurred. Babylon will have just fallen. But we get to know the information ahead of time, so we know that this is coming. Third, okay, well, we've got two end-time nemesis at the end of the age. Nemesi? More than one nemesis? Nemesis? Anyway, so we got two of them. First is the harlot Babylon. The second is the Antichrist. All right? So, well, I guess really lostness is your first uh, enemy, right? You don't want to be lost. You want to know Jesus. But once you know Jesus, there's going to be problems in relationship to the harlot Babylon at the end of the age and the Antichrist at the end of the age. And so now we've got this third angel, and the third angel talks about the Antichrist. A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast, the Antichrist, and its image and receive its mark on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast in his image or for anyone who receives the mark of its name. So this is a third angel proclaiming a third message in the sky, to the earth, to all the inhabitants of the earth, okay? This is pretty intense. These are three angels with the same assignment at the same time in the same end time, you know, strategy of heaven, but each of them have a different message, but all three of these messages really flow together, okay? You guys kind of see that? There's, there's this type of angel that are going to be these proclamation angels at the end of the age, okay? Next, mighty angels. Several times in the book of Revelation, we see the distinction of an angel being called a mighty angel instead of just an angel. And I want to read these to you real quick because that is not an accidental statement. This is John who 
John wrote the book of Revelation, all John is seeing is angels, right? I mean, just angels over there and angels over there and all those crazy looking creatures with the angels over there and the seven archangels over there and angels, angels. And he has to have angels wake him up because he's fainting from, you know, total collapse over the insanity, all this. John has got angels all around him. So when John says, yeah, but this one, this one was a mighty angel. It's not just fluff language. This is John making a distinction between all the other ones, and then the mighty angels that I saw, okay? Uh, so here we are, Revelation 5, 2. I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice. Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? A mighty angel is given that task. Revelation 10. I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was robed in a cloud. And then many other details. Revelation 18. Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a large millstone and he threw it into the sea and said, with such violence, the great city of Babylon will be thrown down, never to be found again. Again, a mighty angel. So now you've got this other distinction. So there's angels and then there's ones that now John, having seen so many, he can now differentiate between angel and mighty angel. And he uses this term mighty angel these three times in the book of Revelation, whereas all the others are referred to as angels. All right? Part F, the angel with the key to the abyss. All right? This is another type of angel or at least a role of an angel. <coughs> we don't know exactly what this one looks like in all the details. But we see here it's mentioned twice in the book of Revelation, this, this angel with the key to the abyss. What? What an interesting thing. And he's called the angel with the key. So it's not like there's 42 keys, 42 angels. This is the jailer, okay? This guy is the guard of hell. He is the jailer over the abyss. He has the key to the jail cell, all right? We see him in Revelation 9, and we see him in Revelation 20. In Revelation 9, he's opening the jail. Oh, Lord. When that angel opens that jail, all sorts of bad things come out of that hell pit. In Revelation 20, he's closing the jail. He's locking it up. So let's look at it real quick. Fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star. We'll look at this later, but this star is an angel. It's this angel. I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. And when he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. So here we see this angel, it's a very specific angel, is given the key to the abyss, all right? Now, once he's got that key to the abyss, he still has the key. Like he's got a keychain or something, I don't know. But one way or the other, we find him, what, 11 chapters later with the key still in his hand. And now... He's going to do the exact opposite of what he did a minute ago where he unlocked it in 9. Now he's going to lock it in 20. So Revelation 20, verse 1 through 3. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, just as we just saw him coming down a minute ago. Coming down out of the sky to the earth. Here we go. He's coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss. He's got the same key that the guy in, in 9 had because it's the same angel. And holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who was the devil or Satan, and he bound him for a thousand years, and he threw him into the, the abyss and locked and sealed it over him. Hell has a keyhole 
Hell has a door. And he locked it and sealed it with this key that he previously had unlocked and all this crud came out. Okay? So there's this angel that's got the key of the abyss. I just imagine this angel looks different, carries himself different, probably walks down the hallways of heaven a little differently than some of the other angels. I mean, this is the angel with the key to the abyss. That's kind of a big deal. All right? The angels over the 12 gates. We've talked a little bit about this before, but these guys serve as guards. There are 12 gates in heaven that get into the city of heaven. We look at that. Uh, we've looked at it a little in the past. We'll spend some sessions on that subject matter when we get to Revelation uh, 20 through 22 when we're looking at those uh, passages. But for, the, for, for our sake right now, heaven is 1,400 miles long and wide, okay, also high. 1,400 miles is a long distance. Each 1,400-mile stretch has three gates. There's 12 gates, three on each side. It's a square. There's three gates on each side. So these are big gates. These are big entry points. I mean, 1,200 miles divided by you only got three gates. I imagine those three gates are not 15 feet apart. They're probably spread out so that they're entry points into the city. These are big gates. This is a big deal. These are big entry points. And there are these angels that are called the 12 angels at the 12 gates of the city of heaven. Their job is to keep bad guys out and to oversee good guys coming in. Let me read it to you. Revelation 21, 12 through 13, had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. Skip down to verse uh, 25 in chapter 21. On no day will its gates ever be shut. The gates are never shut. So these angels are posted there because these gates never shut day or night. These angels are posted there to keep guys in and out. For there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. How are we going to keep all these bad guys out? How are we going to keep these, how are we going to, you know, manage this? There's a very large angel probably with a flaming sword, probably of the same order that was posted at the garden that was then posted to keep Adam and Eve out of the heavenly reality of Eden after they sent. There was an angel posted there with a sword, and no, there was nobody getting past him. Of that sort of order, of that sort of angelic guardian, that's what we've got here at these 12 gates. You've got these 12 angels, and you do not mess with them. They are there to keep things in and keep things out. Part H, how about a talking eagle? That's what we needed. We were missing that in the lineup. We didn't have a talking eagle. Where was he? Well, here he is. Revelation 8, 13. As I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair call out in a loud voice, woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the trumpet blasts that are about to be sounded by the other three angels. Now, we see the activity of angels all throughout the Bible where angels come and talk to people and do stuff. We know angels to be ministering spirits on God's behalf. This is not going to go unnoticed. Like those other three proclamation angels that are going to appear in the sky and they're going to preach the eternal gospel, declare Babylon's uh, uh, fall, and also declare the judgment that's going to come against the Antichrist and everybody who follows him. This angel is going to fly in the air 
and is going to declare, woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of what's about to happen. Watch out because trumpets 7, 6, and 5 that are about to blow, they are really intense. And they're going to cause serious problems for the earth. But this angel is described, or, or eagle, what, angel eagle, eagle angel, this is called an eagle. I saw an eagle who could talk. And he was from heaven. So call that whatever you want. But if we've got living creatures, and they're in the angelic order, if you can kind of broaden things a little bit, there's at least one talking angel, uh, eagle. All right? I just have to, like, interpret. This is probably not the only interesting talking creature thing. Okay? The four living creatures, they cry, holy, holy, holy. This living eagle, bird, angel, whatever, cries, whoa, 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 okay? There's a repetition thing going on here. There are types of creatures and of, of the angelic realm in heaven that we don't know anything about. And I'm just saying it's impossible that we have listed out every single one and every single type. There is a whole world of living creatures and angels and things in heaven that we don't we can't even connect to and part of that that i know that like that's got to be so true when you see what comes out of hell in revelation chapter 8 and 9 it's creative it's bad and you're like and furthermore those things weren't born bad <laughs> they 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 fell and so god didn't make bad things he made good things, and good things chose to sin against him, and then they became tormented and dark and twisted. So when you see what comes out of hell, you just have to know that heaven's got at least as much an interesting invariance going on in heaven, okay, of good sorts and right things. So all that the enemy can do is corrupt and distort that which God has already made, okay? He can't create anything. He's not a creator. He's a twister. All right, large groups. Just giving you just kind of a, a quick run through here. Large groups of the angelic realm. We've got the hosts of angels described. Thousands upon thousands attended him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood beside him. So this is, this is one way that all the angels are grouped together in a big angel cluster. Okay, This is one way that they're defined is the tens of thousands or, or the, the millions that surround the throne. Okay, That's one way of describing them. But another way, and maybe these are overlapping, maybe these are different, we don't exactly know, is the armies of heaven. And I just want to, I want you to think about this for a second. We did not create the term army and the concept of army. God created that concept. And heaven has armies. Armies fight wars. So whatever your thought process is about whatever, just know Heaven even decides that it has intention, at least on occasion, to go fight wars. Heaven has armies. All right? I gave you a couple of verses there. Revelation 19, 14, you're probably familiar with. Uh, the armies of heaven were following him. But look at the 2 Kings 6, 15 through 17. This is a passage you're probably familiar with. But it's describing, in some form or fashion, one of these armies or something from heaven. An army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Now, that's a natural army. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Do not be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. 
And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes. He looked and he saw the hills were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So here we see one of the armies of heaven being dispatched to actually do battle and really show up and do something on that day. A real army really doing army stuff, going to war, going to battle. Now, we don't have a lot of time on this. In fact, the rest of this session, I'm just going to have to breeze through. <coughs> it's okay because it's, uh, the content, I think, is helpful for you to be familiar with. I think it's fascinating, but you could get by without having all this uh, in super detail. Uh, the point I want to make here in part C is all the times that stars are referred to as angels. All the times. And even, even that God says he knows the stars each by name. Even that. But there are so many occasions where the scripture talks about angels and stars as the same thing. And it's not all just uh, um, symbolic. There are times where he's actually talking about stars, but that star is an angel. And there are times where he's talking about angels and he just refers to them as stars. And while I think that there's a measure of, oh, yeah, angels have a bright countenance, I, there's a lot more going on than that, okay? And it, it just wouldn't shock me, I'll say it this way, it wouldn't shock me to find out sometime down the road that every single star in the universe is an angel. That would not shock me because of how much the Bible talks about stars and angels and uses those two terms interchangeably. And furthermore, what they do and what their role is, Okay. So I'm not dogmatic about that point, but it would not surprise me to find that out uh, as we march into eternity. All right. Well, skipping down to part three, and, uh, and this is, again, going to go super fast through this. I just want to introduce you to two angels in the Old Testament that are actually God. The two angels, the angel called my presence and the angel called the angel of the Lord. Okay. And just real quickly. Uh, the, these two terms, when you start to look at the way that the, the scripture uses these two terms, you see whether the Lord is referring to the angel called my presence or he's referring to the angel of the Lord. In both of these cases, characteristics that can only be ascribed to God are used to define these two angels. Okay? And so God refers to himself as my presence, and, and refers to himself as the angel of the Lord. And I'll just give you a quick little one, two, three here. I think the angel of the Lord, every time that that reference is used, I think it's the pre-incarnate Christ. I think the angel of the Lord is a, a visible representation of Jesus. Uh, of, you know, he's, he's got physical form, and he's the angel of the Lord, but he's ascribed the same glory and same attributes and same godness as the Father. But he's called the angel of the Lord. So he's made distinct from the Father, and yet his characteristics are God characteristics, okay? Second, the angel called my presence, I think is very clearly the Holy Spirit. And so the Lord referring to the Holy Spirit as my presence, but like he capitalizes it. He, he called, the word of God like refers to my presence as, as an entity, as a, as, a, as a reality. And I think it's very clearly the Holy Spirit uh, in uh, the Old Testament. And so... I just gave you that kind of as a bonus because I believe it's actually referring to the Lord, but it's the Lord, even in the Old Testament, making the Trinity super obvious. He's making it very clear. Everybody's familiar with God, 
the, the Father in the Old Testament, but God, the Holy Spirit, my presence, the angel called my presence, and where I, my presence will go with you, he says, and then also the angel of the Lord, and just a fun little, little nugget, and then we'll dismiss, and you guys can get into your discussion groups. Fun little nugget. The angel called the angel of the Lord appears a lot in the Old Testament. He's only mentioned one time in the New Testament, and it's to announce, hey, that gal over there, she's pregnant. I think it's actually Jesus naming himself because Jesus, the, this, the angel of the Lord says, Joseph, don't be afraid. Mary's with child. You're going to name him Jesus. And then signing out, and we never see the angel of the Lord again after that moment. So it's only mentioned one time in the New Testament, and it's the angel of the Lord coming to Joseph to tell Joseph who's in Mary's belly. And so just kind of a fun little, you know, fact there. So, uh, okay, well, let's break into groups and let's have some discussions. All right, hopefully you guys have got your question. Um, as we uh, get ready here to, to do our time of q and I'll be repeating the questions back. Um, hey, but I did want to uh, throw out a, a bonus study for you. If, if this content is interesting, if you uh, want a, a, just a delicious study, um, I want to strongly encourage you study the two passages parallel, Daniel chapter 12 and Revelation 10 and 11. So uh, one of the things that was coming up in a number of the groups was the mighty angel in Revelation chapter 10. Well, that same angel shows up in Daniel 12. So Daniel 12 verse 7 and following, that same angel shows up as the mighty angel that we see in Revelation chapter 10. But what's really interesting is, if you look at the parallels between Daniel 10, I'm sorry, Daniel 12 and Revelation 10 and 11, there are probably about 10 parallels uh, between those two uh, passages of Scripture. They're absolutely uh, parallel passages that, that we're supposed to interpret that way. So it gives you insight about the angel, gives you insight about the scroll, gives you insight about the end of the age, about the end time message, about the chronology of events in the last days. There's significant amount of revelation in connecting those two passages of scripture. So I just throw that out to you. If that's uh, something that you're interested in at all, it's a meaty uh, study that you got to like think about a little bit, but going and reading Daniel chapter 12 and Revelation 10 and 11, uh, those are parallel passages. So uh, with that, why don't we go ahead and go into the questions? And uh, I'll start over here with you. Woo, okay, the question was super subjective. Uh, was uh, what, what category do I think that Lucifer was in? And what categories of angels do I think he took with him? Man, uh, at least a mighty angel. <laughs> I mean, um, it, it seems to me, and we don't exactly know how this works. Um, we don't have clarity related to God's role replacement strategy. But what we can be sure of is that when God, for whatever reason, in the kingdom on earth or in heaven... When God loses somebody, he doesn't just go, dang, I'm stuck for life. Like, I am out of it. Now, I can't, what are we going to do? That guy's gone. 
and I'm God, but my hands are tied. I just, uh, like, we don't know what it looks like, but we can count on the, uh, on the infinite nature of God to be able to fill positions, okay? So let's put it that way. I think I always have thought that Lucifer was one of the seven archangels, one of the seven mighty ones, okay? Uh, and that's just my thought, and that somehow there was a replacement of that role. And my thought process for that is, and I could be wrong. I mean, you're asking me my opinion. Uh, my thought process for that is the seven are before him. They're his main guys. They're his main uh, executioners of, of his will. They're the main ones before him. It's a worship environment right in front of him. And so it's the, the four living creatures, the holy, holy, holy. It never stops right there in the worship environment. And so it's always been my thought process that uh, Satan was right there. Uh, we know that he wasn't equal to God, so he's less than God. So that makes him something. But it's not like God would have ever had like a number two in heaven. You know, so it's not like Satan was number two to God. So he was of a ranking. He was of an order of angels. And so what, angel, what order was that? I can't think of an order that's more fitting than the seven archangels. But again, that's just my opinion. What did he take with him? Whoever said yes. And, and we, I mean, we know, we know from the creatures that we look at in the abyss uh, in Revelation chapter nine, 8 and 9, uh, there are some gnarly looking critters in there. But some of them have, have you, you wouldn't say that they're like the living creatures, but you would definitely say they are living creatures. I mean, you would say they are, they are of an interesting creature-like order that could be, like if, if the living creatures, if the four living creatures that we see in the book of Revelation are only one type of living creature, which I believe that they are. In fact, next week when we're looking at, well, I guess two weeks from now when we look at the four living creatures, we're going to look at other orders of living creatures that we see clearly. Um, then I would think that those were of another order or something. Um, who knows whoever who he took with him. It's not like, Oh, our order's going with Satan. You know, let's all go. I, I mean, it was an individual choice for every angel, just like it's an individual choice for everybody. And so it, it's not so much that there were entire orders, though maybe there were groupings that the majority of them decided to go. But you never know. There might be one angel from that group that's like the guy that held out. He's still in heaven, and, and everybody sees him as like, oh, man, you're the one guy from that whole order that left. That we, You know, we don't exactly know. So I don't know. A bunch of them that made a really bad decision. A amen. All right. Uh, what's the next question, Andy? Let's go with you. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. And more from a secular thought process. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, we see that angels are one type of created thing. We see that humans are another type of created thing. Why do all the movies make it that when, an when a person dies, whatever manner of person they were, they now become an angel in the sky? Uh, m people are constantly distorting truth. And I think not from nefarious uh, agendas. I think just really lack of, of uh, you know, biblical clarity and I think I think people just like oh there's angels up there I know what they must be 
why, what do you think, oh, brilliant scholar? Oh, I think they just, the angels are just people that just graduated or whatever. Like, that's ridiculous. But I don't think it's people trying to be mean or bad. I think it's just ignorance, uh, biblical ignorance, which, I mean, I probably thought that when I was lost. Why did I think that? Because I saw it on TV one time. You know, it's like, so, so lies just kind of perpetuate, and I don't think there's an enemy trying to distort, but I don't think people, for the most part, are trying to mess up those details uh, so much. Um, but there is a lot of romanticism about heaven. That, Like, if you were a good person, you go there. If you were a good person, you go to hell. If you have Jesus, you go to heaven. So good person, bad person, <laughs> it's about Jesus. And going to heaven doesn't turn you into an angel. In fact, we're going to rule over the angels. So just as a little, little point of reference, right now we are only used to the concept of the race of man, interacting with man. But a time is coming where you do want to go into the Star Trek universe for a minute and think about interacting with other races of things because a time is coming when we're going to rule over and have jurisdiction over other races of created things that God made called angels. And we're looking at there's a lot of different types of angels. We're going to be intermingling. Like, I'll come talk to you. Hey, how are you doing? I'll go talk to a living creature. What's up, living number four? You know what I mean? It's like, and like talk to them and interact. And he'll be like, wah, wah, with his wing or whatever. I'll be, I mean, we're going to have interactions with angels and this flying eagle thing. I mean, so a time is coming when our interactions are going to grow wildly beyond just interacting with human beings, okay? And that, you just need to settle that. That's part of your future, all right? That's part of reality. And so maybe the, the Star Trek wars and everything else, universes, uh, maybe they're on to something in that regard because there are definitely different races of things. We're just only used to interacting with humans. But a time is coming when we're going to, graduate up and we're going to be interacting with angels as well and all different sorts all right next question yeah okay so um Revelation 10, mighty angel, who's he talking to? Uh, it says he's got one foot on the land and another foot on the sea, so he's big, but he's making the proclamation uh, that, uh, that everything is going to be fulfilled. I'm actually just going to read to you the Daniel 12 equivalent uh, parallel passage because it says it pretty similarly. Um, uh, one had his uh, uh, foot on the bank of the river and the, uh, and the other on the opposite bank. To the man clothed in the linen who was on the waters of the river, how long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? Verse 7. The man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river lifted his right hand and his left hand towards heaven. And I heard him swear by him who lives forever, saying it will be for a time's time and half a time when the power of the holy people has been finally broken all these things will be completed so it's very much the same language of what's being said in De uh, revelation chapter 10 but in this passage it makes it very clear it seems very clear that the angel is communicating with the prophet daniel and so with that being the case because daniel is supposed to write down the information and then daniel is told that 
he's supposed to seal up this end time message and that it's for a time later down the road. And now we're seeing John at the end of the age in, in this uh, uh, vision experience. John is experiencing what will happen at the end of the age. And he's now given this scroll, which is the end time revelation. He's told to eat it. He's told to become a forerunner. And so it's, the message is for the whole planet in both cases, but it was directed at a man in Daniel 12. And I believe it's directed at a man in Revelation 10. It's directed at John to be the messenger to say, hey, end time church, we need to get significant clarity on the end time message so that we can know what to proclaim, so that we can operate in clarity and we can get the purposes of the Lord done. Whoever the worship leader is, if you'll come on up now. So uh, again, I just want to advertise um, Daniel 12 uh, because Daniel 12 and this, this Revelation 10 and 11 passage, uh, there is significant overlap and clarity available. You guys have heard me say this before, but one of the glorious things about the book of Revelation is not that there's no new content, because there is new content in the book of Revelation that wasn't there previously. But mostly what's in the book of Revelation is not new content. It's all the Old Testament prophecies and passages and scriptures and pictures all wrapped up into one book put in a little bit more succinct clarity order connecting ideas and so this daniel 12 and revelation 10 and 11 is a great example of that where we were actually told about this angel and this message and this uh, reality already in the end of daniel uh, but now we see it in the book of revelation with a little bit more clarity and the best way to get end time revelation honestly is to have a pretty good grip of the book of Revelation and then know where all those prophecies were in the Old Testament and then one prophecy at a time do a parallel reading. Where it was in the Old Testament, where is it in Revelation? Where was it in the Old Testament, where is it in Revelation? Looking at those two things because there's details in the Old Testament prophecies that aren't in Revelation and there's details in Revelation that weren't in those Old Testament prophecies. But you got to look at them kind of in a parallel sort of a way to get that clarity and again... I just think Daniel 12 and Revelation 10 and 11 is a really great place to camp out. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources or to schedule another TPR teacher to come speak at your church or event, please see our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Thank you.